Hey friends, Heather here, and I'm excited that you're joining us to shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. We just celebrated World Down Syndrome Day last week. We hope that you guys had so much fun celebrating with your love and with Down syndrome in whatever way that you chose to do so. We were really grateful to have the brilliant Sophia Sanchez on last week for World Down Syndrome Day. And this week, I get to interview her mom, Jennifer Veronini Sanchez. We're going to chat about adoption, about motherhood, about raising two kids with Down syndrome who are very different from one another, about what it's like as a mom to have to just let go of your kid with Down syndrome's hand and let them just go be independent and trust that they're going to be amazing and that you're going to do good too, mom. We're going to talk about the media. We're going to talk about some of Sophia's story and some of the amazing things that she's doing right now. There's so much to this conversation. I'm grateful that you're here for it. Welcome friends to the Lucky Few podcast. All right, before we jump into the conversation with Jennifer, I'm going to read another review. This comes from IFULKS, who says, I'm not a mom and I'm not a part of the Down Syndrome community, but this podcast is everything. These women point out the beauty in all of our differences and how we can all benefit by loving and inviting those with differing abilities into our circles. I feel so full of love after I listen and I'm ready to go out with eyes to notice the often overlooked. Thank you so much, ladies. Well, dear one, thank you so much. It's so fun when we find out that people who are not educators or who are not attached to the Down syndrome community are listening in on the podcast. We're so grateful that you're here and to know that this podcast is for everyone, friends. So if you are a listener and you have not left a review, we would love to hear from you. The feedback means so much to us. You can head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review today and maybe we'll read it here next week. All right, friends, I'm here with Jennifer Veronini Sanchez. She is mother of four, including two children with Down syndrome. You may have seen her on Instagram as the Sanchez Six, and we got to chat with her daughter, Sophia Sanchez, last week. Today, we get to talk with her, some follow-up questions about last week's interview even. I'm very excited about this. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Um... I remember meeting you for the first time. I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I met you and Sophia was at the Down Syndrome Congress Convention in Sacramento. I do remember that. Oh my gosh. I think I remember that we met there and then I remember our first real connection was in Laguna Beach for another DS Mom conference. So yeah, like, yeah, I love, love your family. Been a big fan from the beginning, so... Same, same. And we have a lot in common. We have two kids with Down syndrome each. We have adopted kids with Down syndrome, which is so lovely and fun for us. And then you are just raising, well, three, four incredible children. And Sophia is just a star, as you know. Yes, she is just a little spitfire for sure. <laughs> yes, she is such a star. So for people who aren't familiar with you and your family, will you let tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're at? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I am, like you said, mama four. I live in Northern California. Um, we've, um, we started our family 21 years ago. I've been married 21 years, which is just the lucky number 21. I love the number 21. So yeah, 21 years. Um, we have three biological children. They're all boys. My three boys, um, Diego, who's 19 and in college. I have Mateo, who's 18, a senior in high school. And then I have my sweet Joaquin, who just turned 15. He has Down syndrome and autism, so he has a dual diagnosis. And then we have the lovely Sophia, who we adopted, um, and she is newly turned 14. Um, so yeah, that's our family. And I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I have a million other jobs that I'm like dabbling in as we all do. Um, but yeah, my focus has been just, you know, advocating and, um, sharing our story and trying to, you know, like you change, change minds, hearts and souls to understand this beautiful life we live. Yes. Yes. I love it so much. And Joaquin, how old was Joaquin when you decided to adopt? So that story is so, so crazy and fun because, um, unlike you, I guess, where you were planning to adopt, I had never had that in my head or mind or heart. I was like one of those people that was fortunate to have babies. I know that that's a very fortunate thing. And I loved giving birth. I loved that whole process. So adoption was not in my, um, in my mindset or in my goals or my plan. But when I gave birth to Joaquin and it was, um, his diagnosis happened after birth. It actually happened three months after his birth. That's a whole story. Um, but when I discovered that he had down syndrome, I obviously like all of us wanted to learn everything I could about down syndrome. And in that pursuit of like discovering everything I could learn, I had seen posts and, you know, information on babies that were abandoned at birth because they had Down syndrome. And I just could not understand that after, you know, being so blessed by Joaquin and loving him so much. Um, so I, then I learned that there's not really a shortage in the United States, that there's kind of a wait list for babies with Down syndrome, but that there's not for people overseas, for children overseas. So I simply um, decided to donate some money to Reese's Rainbow, which was, you know, really kind of on Facebook all over the place. And I was like intrigued by it. So I got online and I figured I would, you know, donate some money towards a family that was trying to find or trying to fund the, the fees for the expensive adoption process. And I got online and I thought, let me grab my two older boys, Diego and Mateo. They were like five and seven at the time. And we get online and we're just looking at all these beautiful faces, all these beautiful babies with Down syndrome that are looking for a home. And like, let's pick one to donate some money. We were donating in honor of my grandmother who had just passed. And we found this picture and we saw her face and it was this beautiful little cherub of a baby. And her name was Sophia and her birthday was February, which was the same as Joaquin's. And I thought, oh my gosh. And all three of us, me and the two boys, because Joaquin was just an infant, by the way. He was, like, about a year old. Um, all three of us were like, that's the one, Mom. Okay, so we donate. Fast forward, Reese's Rainbow sends a beautiful thank you ornament in the mail. It's Christmas time. I get an ornament, and it has this little cherub baby's face on it. 
And I'm like, what is happening right now? Because she's so freaking cute. And I couldn't stop thinking about her. And I put this ornament on her tree. And I'm like, that's like literally the seed was planted. I thought as I put the ornament on my tree, I'm like, okay, I have a baby with Down syndrome. I know what I'm doing. We don't have everything. We don't have the biggest house. We don't have all the money in the world. But we do have a home and we are capable of doing this. So why aren't we doing this? And so that's how it all started. And obviously there came some convincing with my husband who was like, wait, what, what's going on right now? <laughs> He's like, wait, where, 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 how did this get here? Um, but I explained to him and I'll explain here because I think it's an important story to share. It wasn't something we planned. It's something that tugged on my heart and I listened to it and I, I moved forward on that tugging and I did, we didn't plan for this adoption. This just came, this tugging came onto my heart. I felt like this was something that I wanted to pursue, but obviously with that comes talking to your spouse who is not on the same page as me and didn't know this journey that I had personally been on of kind of falling in love with this picture and this idea. Well, you know, I tell him and he's like, what, where is this coming from? What, you know, where, wait, you want another baby? Let's have another baby. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. It's, it's something different. And it was Christmas time. Cause you know, the ornament on the tree, we go off to, to a vacation. Um, and we're on, um, a beach in Tulum and my two oldest boys are playing in the surf together, having a blast. And Joaquin had just learned to sit up on his own and he was playing on the sand by himself and Hector and I were watching him. And I looked at him and I was like, our two oldest boys have each other and they'll have each other for life. Joaquin's by himself. I'm like, not only do, does this baby Sophia need a family, but maybe Joaquin needs a sister, a sister that's just like him that will always understand him and be there for him. And so it was like, I explained that to Hector and, and, and it was like a leap of faith for him because again, a mother's heart's really easy to open to other babies. It's harder for men. But, um, I often say like, he's the unsung hero because it took a lot of courage for him to say yes. And so together we said yes. And on the adoption journey we went and it was quite the journey, but you know, it's, you know, she was overseas in Ukraine and it required travel. It required leaving my boys, not an easy thing, but if I hadn't, have listened to that nudge, she wouldn't be here. And the blessings she's given to our family and the gifts she's given to all her siblings, not just Joaquin, but all, all of us, um, is wonderful. So I always say, listen to your heart, just listen and follow it a little bit. Cause you never know where it'll lead you. Oh, Jennifer, it's such a good story. I'm like tearing up that when you, I, whenever there's these kind of stories are recalled that are just, um, I'll use holy for lack of another word. There's like a holiness about them that like a, the universe is doing a thing that is outside our control. And then we take the time to listen and step forward. And it just brings me to tears. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then I, yeah, both of our kids are adopted in very different stories, but there is this like nudge towards doing it, doing this thing that you're like, who does this? Why would we do this? And then you end up on this side of it, right? Then you have this 14-year-old daughter and I can like, I can look at my kids and think, what if I said no? Um, and I think everyone in my family circumstance, everyone would have probably been fine, but we've got to be better than fine. But that's not the case for Sophia because she was in an orphanage. You know, she had been, 
she had been essentially completely cast aside. And then look at who freaking Sophia Sanchez is in the world. I mean, in the whole world, it's. It's like a, it's like a real life Cinderella story. Like somebody discarded, not wanted, left behind. And like, I just, I shudder at the thought of how many, you know, all children, even, you know, Sophia's a unique being. I understand that. And not all children are Sophia, but every child has something very special. And if they are not given the opportunity to have a family and love, that spark and that joy and that gift is never going to be seen, obviously. So it's just like, yeah, it's such a great reminder. Um, yeah, I just, oh, it's a whole, that's a whole like emotional like thing because, you know, you know, Ukraine in the news right now. And just, you know, as a mom that's adopted, wondering if she's got a biological family that's, you know, out there and maybe we'll never know. And anyway, it's just, it's a big, as you know, it's, it's a lot of emotions tied with adoption, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, difficult thing, you know? Yeah. It's, the both and it's the tension. There's just tension there. Like I always say, adoption starts from a tragedy. So like I think of my kids, you think of Sophia, the best thing for them would have been to be with their biological family and, and embraced by that. Cause there's that loss for our kid, for the, every family member, for us even. And, and it's exactly what I want it to be at the same time. And exactly how, yeah. And exactly how it was supposed yeah. to be. Right. Yeah. There was a holiness to it. There was a grand plan or some, you know, thing beyond us that led us to the situation. Totally. Yeah. It's adoption is really wild in that way. And something that's, I'm learning so much about still so much. Yeah. Okay. You said something a minute ago about all children have like a spark, you know, or something special about them. And I want to talk to you about, this is off the cuff here because this isn't what was planned in the script, but I think that you and I also share this interesting commonality and you can be like, Heather, I don't agree with this at all. And that's fine. Where we have, we have these two kids with Down syndrome and one of our kids with Down syndrome is fits into that sweet mold of look what people with Down syndrome can do. And let's tell the big hero story. And then we have another kid with Down syndrome who, who's not going to be in the hero story as often because of their abilities and the support that they need in life. I see you nodding your head. Okay. Exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. And so talk to me about, I wanted, well, I want to know how you navigate that in your mom heart. And then I want to know how that affects the outward navigation with Sophia being like, quote, a star with Down syndrome or the Down syndrome star. Right. Does right. That, that all make sense? It totally makes sense. And it's a, okay. it's an important question because I'm sure a lot of people wonder or think about that, but I, you know, I do. Yeah. We have the exact same situation. Sophia wants the spotlight feeds off the spotlight. She was born to be on a stage. That's not something I forced onto her or created for her. It's how she was born and I'm cultivating that. And I recognize her gift and I allow her to flourish in those gifts and give her opportunities to shine because that's where she shines. Joaquin has his most amazing gifts. They're just so completely different. He's soulful. He is like my favorite, if I can say this, my favorite human being on the planet. He 
is my soulmate. Like, it, and he, he has a quiet, like, he can be a ham. Let's not, like, you know, just like your Macy girl can be a ham. But they have their own journey, and he is just as celebrated in our family. It's just not seen on the outside. We celebrate him as big as can be for the little things, for making it through a day at school with a smile on his face for, you know, the harder things that, that, you know, the things that came harder for him that were easier for all three of my other kids, my typical kids and Sophia. Um, and he balances this out. He reminds us that there is such beauty in the small accomplishments, the quiet accomplishments, um, and not even accomplishments, just being him. He brings us joy. And so it's wonderful almost to show like the world that like we love and celebrate Joaquin just as much as Sophia and she gets lots of accolades and a lot of attention. He could care less about that. He is happy. And, um, it's like, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's about finding what your child needs and desires and is born to do. And, supporting them in that journey and it will look different for every single child um we were just blessed to have this little like superstar girl um but she is humble probably because of her brother and she's the kindest human being probably because of her brother and so they're they're good together like they couldn't be each other without one another kind of thing so yeah I, I totally agree. It's it's a different journey, and it, I kind of feel blessed to be on both because I have compassion and understanding for the difficult parts of Down syndrome, the difficult parts of having a dual diagnosis. I will say that was the hardest, hardest thing that I've ever been through is when he got that dual diagnosis. Um, but gosh, like when I remind myself to embrace that I'm getting to experience the full range of disability, ability, life, you know, it's just, I'm trying to remind myself that this is living a very full life. I call it like living in like technicolor. I'm seeing all the things, feeling all the things, highs, lows, all the things, you know, and it's okay. It's great. You know, that's, that's life. So I'm so grateful for, like the duality of that experience, the, the Joaquin and the Sophia in my life. Yes. Yes. It's so good. I love all of that, Jennifer. I, I, I feel that too. I'm so grateful for both experiences because, and I, I'm also personally grateful that Macy came first for me because I think of August with his like strength with speech and social connection and language and like I'm using air quotes listener, like ease. I think I, I would have fallen. I'm, I'm going to say this and not everyone loves this idea, but I would have fallen victim to a lot of what's perpetuated within down syndrome, that there's a best way to have down syndrome. Like my kid has down syndrome. There's hope because look at this kid, August, look at Sophia. And that's, there's, there's a place for that. But I think I would have really gone down that like ableism way of thinking um, and perpetuated it because I have a kid with Down syndrome who fits in, which means they're more like kids with Down, without Down syndrome, where with Mason as my leader and my guide, and then Augie coming later, that 
invitation to seeing the intrinsic value and worth in every person. And that there's not Mason's best way to be is her best way to be, not this person's best way to be. And to be able to, as a mom, like you're saying, you find that thing in your kid that, that is their best self. Yeah. And you help them be their best self. Um, and I'm so thankful that I had Macy first because it really transformed the way that I view Down syndrome and the way that I can advocate for Down syndrome with some kind of a platform that it's helpful advocacy, not harmful advocacy, if that makes sense. Love that. Exactly. And it's the same. I'm so grateful that Joaquin was my first. We embraced him with all the things before even welcoming Sophia to our family. So yeah, it's, yeah. And I'm very, and it helps me be mindful when I do celebrate Sophia's accomplishments to remember that it's not about the accomplishment. We're celebrating Sophia and who she is, regardless of her accomplishment. And and just reminding myself to be mindful of those families that might have a child that is struggling even to talk or to walk or to the potty training, all the things that are hard. Like I'm very careful, you know, to just remember that every family's journey is different and that Sophia isn't like what we're all striving to be. We're just celebrating Sophia. You know, she's just like we celebrate you, me, all the people. So it's hard. It's yeah, hard. It is hard. And, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking what a gift to Sophia that she knows that if she doesn't do A, B, C, or D, that doesn't take away or add to her value and worth. Like how many, how many of us are parenting our kids, Down syndrome or not? And there's this unspoken pressure that we don't even know how to recognize or name saying we like you more or you have more value and worth in this world. If you can be on the sports team, get good grades, whatever we like that. We're not even communicating that to our kids. Um, is such a gift. It is such a gift. Such a gift. Yes. It's not, we're not, yeah. It's not about what you're able to do. It's, I mean, and that's that ableism creeping up again. You know, it's, it's so hard. Oh my gosh. It's always just, yeah. I'm learning every day and I'm trying to be so mindful and soak up all the things. So I'm a big fan of your podcast because you address that so often. And I'm just always like hungry to understand more, you know? Yeah, same. That's why we address it so often because I'm learning it in real time as well. Thank you for sharing all that. I really, I really appreciate that. It's super helpful. I'm sure it's helpful for our listeners to hear too. Um, okay, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. And we are going to talk about our sweet Sophia because that girl is just soaring right now in her career. I know, it's just <laughs> crazy. It's a wild ride right now. It's a wild ride. I want to talk about Hunger Games because it's coming out soon. It's a really big deal. It's a huge film. I told a little story last episode to Sophia about when you told me that you were headed to Europe, but you couldn't tell me what it was for. And that you were nervous because you're leaving your kids, you're leaving your boys and you're leaving your Joaquin for uh, three months is what it, what it was told to you. So walk us through that as the mother and what are like some of your fears moving into a big project like that? Like Sophia gets the call and then you're like, okay, this is what this might look like. This is what this means. Help us. Let's, let's hear your mother's heart here. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh gosh, where do I begin? So it was, it was, it was a wild process in like the audition in and of itself. Um, it was like a video audition and then we got through the next step and the next step was just a live zoom with the director and the casting agent. And, um, because Sophia was, you know, 13 at the time, she's now 14. She's, at the age where, um, if this is what she wants to do, this is what she has to do, like kind of on her own. So I really took a step back as scary as that was, because I knew with a project like the hunger games, the, you know, a very big blockbuster film, like this has to come from the right place. It has to be the right thing. I don't want to force this because if we get into a situation that she's not cut out for, I'm going to, I'm going to, feel the, the blame, you know, it's not her fault. It'd be mine for like pushing something that's not ready. So this was the first project that I really, like I do a lot of like coaching and um, some handholding before like her auditions and stuff. And sometimes I'll be there kind of cheering her on behind the scenes. But this is the first one I kind of let her do on her own. And it's wild because this was the one she got, you know, like with no coaching, you know, no, I shouldn't say coaching, obviously I coached her, but with no, um, handholding. And so she got the call that she was going to get the job. And I will say this, um, the director, before she was offered the job, the director called me on the phone. I'm like, Francis Lauren is Lawrence is on my phone. Like, this is crazy. And he's like, he wanted to have a conversation with me. And I just, respected this so much. He got on the phone and he said, I want you to know I'm calling you, but I'm calling the parents of all the children that I'm casting. This isn't because your daughter has Down syndrome. And I just thought that was really cool. And he said, you know, he just wanted to walk through a couple scenes and to make sure that, you know, does she have sensory issues? Would she be scared in, you know, close confined places? Does she have a problem with a lot of cameras on her face? And of course I'm like, nope, 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 because she doesn't. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm not making this up. But I just thought it was so wonderful that he called and said, I, I just, I want everyone to be comfortable on set and, um, we are so excited to have her. And so they offered her the job. And of course we said yes. And and then, you know, comes this like huge project that's filled with emotion because it's exciting. Um, but also, like you said, requires a little bit of sacrifice too on the family's part to allow us, to allow her to go. Um, and, you know, again, I have the most beautiful supportive family, extended family, extended family, including my friends. I could, we could not, she could not have done this without all of that. And, um, yeah, going on set, knowing that she was like, truly like the first person with Down syndrome or even like a significant intellectual disability potentially on, a big movie like a Hunger Games movie felt like a lot of pressure as a mom too, because, oh my gosh, not only does she need to perform, but like we're representing Down syndrome. We're representing Down syndrome on this massive set and we want to do right by Down syndrome. You know, we want to, we want to let the director and the cast and her, uh, you know, castmates know that she is capable, but you know what? It just naturally happened. We walked on the set and I will tell you, it was the most inclusive set I have ever experienced. And, you know, Sophia's been on a lot of sets. I have never seen more diversity, more inclusion, 
more kindness um, than the set of this particular Hunger Games movie. I can't speak for anything else. This is all I know, but it was beautiful. Every, I mean, we had, you know, her castmate um, had a limb difference. We had um, every kind of nationality and background you could think of. There was Hunter Schaefer was there, transgender actor, actress. Um, we had, uh, you know, uh, there was a character with a, um, I don't know what the proper term, but um, he's missing an eye. Um, and it was like, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the disability or the difference. It was like this beautiful celebration of people and that this movie is representing the world, which is what it's supposed to, right? And it did. It literally does. So I'm so excited for everyone to see it because it's so incredibly beautiful. The The cast is incredible. So Sophia's a part of that. Oh, this is another crazy thing. So like I said, I'm like, this is, this is a step out of my comfort zone. She's doing this project on her own. That means I'm not going on set with her. I'm not walking with her on to the set. I'm sitting back with all the other mothers and I'm letting her go. And that was so scary because again, are they going to check for understanding? Are they going to give her a direction that she doesn't understand? Is she going to do it the wrong way? And they're going to think that's all she's capable of when I know she's capable of more, right? Do they know they can push her just like you can push any other actor? Um, but I let it go. And I will tell you, if you talk to any other the mothers that were there, they had to hold my hand because I'm like, oh my God, should I be on there? Should I be on set? Do I need to go with her? And they're like, relax. She's got this. She's got this. And again, she showed me that she's got this and I let go and I let her go and she did it. So I don't know what she did because I'm just sitting in the sidelines. So I'm going to see the movie and be like, oh my God, she did it. Oh my gosh, she did her lines. You know, I don't know, you know? So, um, Obviously, when you're a parent, you can see like a tiny little screen of what's happening out there, but you can't hear the director. You can't hear really what they're saying. And so you're just praying. But yeah, it was growth for her because she was an independent girl on this movie. What you see is also be nothing, nothing that I could have taken any sort of credit for or want to. And then it was big growth for me because I... I just stepped back and let her do her thing. And I figured at 14 now, if this is what she wants to do, she's got to do it on her own. Like this is, you know, this is, we foster independence in our children and this is my way of fostering her independence. So it'll be exciting to see it. Yes. So many good stories. I want to, I want to hear more. Let's talk about more. Jennifer, good job. That's huge growth for you. Like for both of you, but Oh, I can feel that, that mama heart of like, just let me, let me just inter interject here. I know, I know. And that's what you've been doing for so long because she's needed that support. So like that, the pain of growth. The pain of growth and it's the letting go. And it's, <laughs> I'm getting a, you know, I'm getting a head start in that with my 19 and 18 year olds. I, I'm let, I'm needing to let go. And it's the same with our kids with Down syndrome. I want to give them as much independence as possible. And with that comes a letting go and it's scary. And our instinct is to want to protect and to hold and to, to like, you know, basically, um, provide the best 
possible scenario and situation for them, but that's not real life. They've got to be able to handle it. So letting go a little bit here and there um, is so important. So I'm proud of myself. (laughs) I am proud of myself. I'm so proud of her, of course, like just incredible and exciting. Again, she's humble. She doesn't know how big the Hunger Games is. She's like, I'm just in the Hunger Games. That's cool. You know, we're the ones that are like, oh, my God, you're in the Hunger Games, you know. Um, I think she's old enough now to watch the movies, so we're going to actually watch the other movies to get prepared. But um, uh, anyway, it's it's so true. So much learning happened. And then on a side note, I was so afraid to leave Joaquin, who is, like, connected to me, like, heart, mind, soul, body, all the things. And um, I just didn't know if he would thrive without me and if he'd be okay. And that was really hard and scary. And I will say one of the biggest gifts of this experience of the Hunger Games and having to go with Sophia, um, because obviously Hector didn't have that luxury. He, he needed, you know, he's our main breadwinner and had to work. Um, the biggest gift was that Joaquin thrived even without mama at his side every day. And he learned that he's going to be okay. Even when I'm not around and I learned he's going to be okay when I'm not around. And that is worth its weight in gold. Because I think we, as parents of children with disabilities, our biggest fear is what happens if we're gone? What happens if we're not here? And even though I was there and, you know, FaceTiming and just across halfway across the world, no big deal. Um, I was physically gone and he was okay. And that peace of mind for me moving forward is priceless, like super priceless. So, um, kind of a hidden gift that I never expected to be one. I was so like torn up about not seeing him, but it ended up being a time for he and his dad and brothers to bond, which is very special and a gift in and of itself. Oh, I got tearing up here again. I just can feel it. That mama heart, you're, it's beautiful. What an opportunity. What a great opportunity you guys got. Okay. I, I talk to people and I'm sure there's listeners here who are thinking like they, their kid also loves the stage and, you know, is like, has that spark and you've been at this for a while with Sophia. What is some advice that you have for parents? who have children with Down syndrome and they'd like them to get involved in this industry in some way. I get a lot of, like a lot of inquiries, you know, what my child is super cute. How do we do this? How do we break into this? And my words of advice always are, let it be directed by the child, not by you. Um, All of our kids are cute. My goodness. Down syndrome is probably the cutest freaking thing on the planet. Right. Um, if they are a ham in front of the camera, if they're not afraid of strangers, if they, um, you know, if they are blessed with like that outgoing gene that so many of our kids with Down syndrome have, um, definitely pursue it. Um, but if your child struggles and if you find yourself kind of like, even at family photo shoots, needing to finagle to make them, you know, perform for the camera, I would say don't go down the path. Obviously, I mean, that seems almost obvious, but like, I think sometimes we want something for our kids so much and it might not be what's best for them. And I'll give, you know, Joaquin and Sophia as an example. Joaquin is freaking darling and he's so cute and he is a ham for the camera, but we did attempt a commercial with him and 
I know he was capable of doing it, but the commercial world is not um, one that takes their time and they do things quickly and there's not a lot of prep. I mean, we go on set and the kids are expected to do what any other kid is doing. And I hope someday we get to a point where commercials and, and um, movies and such are inclusive in that they understand that our kids need more processing time and more, um, prep and maybe some more practice but right now it's not really the case unless you're lucky to get on a a set like that like the hunger games there was no prep she literally goes out and does her lines comes back like you know she was able to do that thank god joaquin on the other hand we had him try a commercial and i knew he could do it but it required timing it required precision and it required things that were quote-unquote perfect and in my eyes perfection is not real but in the commercial world, that's all they want. And so he was in this like lineup of kids walking down a hallway and he was just two steps behind and he would have been two steps behind in real life. So I thought that looked great because that looked real, but that wasn't what they wanted. And, and it was stressful because they pulled him off the scene and they got it an extra. And I thought, you know what? That's not worth it to me. The stress that, you know, like the pressure that Joaquin was feeling or, you know, that he was going to have to do it exactly right on the right time it wasn't worth it to me so my I guess my point is be careful and and let your child be the guide let them you know if you see that things just kind of come naturally for them it might be great or if it's just or if it's a project that involves like you being in it with them and you know that you can do it great but I, I really like try to tell people make sure it's coming from the child and not from you and I mean that in all the right ways right because like I said, most parents think their kids the cutest thing on planet and they all are. Um, but it's not an easy industry. It does require like, as you know, dropping on a moment's notice and like dropping everything and going. So if your life's a little complex and you have a lot of, you know, schedules and appointments, you literally have to be able to drop everything and go. Um, and things happen quickly. So if you're not comfortable with that fast pace, maybe find another thing to pursue or, or do, you know, do something similar, but not maybe that the television industry, you know, and I don't want to scare people away either, but I just like to be realistic about it because we, we aren't yet at a place where sets are super, um, what's the right word, Heather, understanding or supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Some are, some are really special and you and I have been a part of some of those together, like most recently, but, um, where they understand kids and they allow them to play and organically move through the process of the work. But, but most of them are not that way. It's really fast paced. And a ton of rejection. Like I, I could, I'm sure you could tell for, for every hunger games you got, how many times is there a rejection, a rejection, a rejection, a rejection? I mean, tons. Oh. 1000 percent so many and that's the thing like sophia her self-confidence is not affected by it if she doesn't get a job she's like oh i'm going to school bye she like she it doesn't hold on to that now if she did i don't know that we do this because it is too hard um and if you the parent submitting your child can't handle the rejection like can't understand that there's going to be rejection and can't protect your heart from that like don't do it right it's not worth it that is good advice from, you heard it here, friends from the pro, the pro, the pro mom. 
<laughs> you really are, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> I'm so grateful that you've shared all of this and taken the time. Is there anything else you want to share? There's so many other projects going on. Anything you want our listeners to know about? Um, oh gosh, there's just a lot of fun. I will say this, like, um, I've always said this, like if the next project Sophia does is the last one she does, we are so grateful for all of the opportunities. Like we are just like happy and would be complete with it and move on. And kind of my motto has been like, if things organically happen, then I guess they're meant to happen. Kind of like that universe is speaking to us. So um, you know, years ago I thought when she did like a bunch of Target commercials, I'm like, oh, that was amazing. That's awesome. We're done. You know? And then the next thing happened, I'm like, oh, I guess we're not done. Here we go. And it's just like, we are so grateful for every opportunity she gets and to be able to represent the Down syndrome community is an honor. And for her to be the voice of, I always say that Sophia is the voice and the face and every, and all the things for all her peers with Down syndrome that can't speak up or can't share. So I, I'm hoping that people see her as, as a representative of them. And, um, she's, she certainly, you know, is happy to represent her people as she calls it. So, um, like it, we're, we're just along for the ride. Essentially we're along for this wild ride and it just continues to keep going. So I guess we're going to hang on for a little longer. <laughs> yes. I hope so. I hope it goes so much longer. Um, and I love that. I think that there could not be two more like humble and kind and loving people than you and Sophia to be leading the charge and representing the community like that. So you guys, there's just so such a void of ego for both of you. And it just is a really beautiful thing to get to witness. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to be back with some good news. If you have some good news you want to share about Sophia or Joaquin or both, we'd love to hear it. Okay. Take a little break. Time for good news. Time for good news. Everybody welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back listeners and we are here with Jennifer Sanchez and we're so excited that she's here with us today. Um, Jennifer, do you have some good news you want to share about either or both of your children with Down syndrome? I do. I have like the best news. I'm so glad you're asking me this because it's my favorite part of your podcast. Um, I am like beaming right now because um, Joaquin is coming home today after being gone for five days at a soccer camp in Chula Vista, which is near San Diego with the Down Syndrome Sports of America. And Heather, I have to tell you, like, I'm just, oh my gosh. Okay. So he got invited to go. Hector and I were not able to go with him, so we said, no, we can't make it. Well, I have a beautiful friend who is the mother of his best friend offer to take him, and I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? And she's like, yes. He's like family to me. I can do this. I've got this. And I let him go. And I'm telling you, again, big growth moment for me, the letting go. That's a big theme here. I let him go to a camp without us. I mean, without mom, dad. Nana, he's never been anywhere without one of us. And, oh, my God, he he thrived. He thrived. Um, obviously, he's not by himself. He still has a mother that loves on him and, you know, helps him unpack and all the things. But 
sleeping in his own bed in his own little apartment. And, you know, they had a conjoined room, but like, he did it. He did it. Oh my gosh. I don't know all the details. And of course I want to know all the details, but I don't. All I know is every picture I see, he has a smile on his face and he is coming home today. And I'm all of us, our entire family, brothers, sister, mom, dad, Nana, Gramps, we're all like, he did it. He did it. So yes, my little boy, my big boy, I should say my young man. Um, so yeah, he's well on his way to independence. And this like, just gave me the confidence again, that yes. he's ready. <sighs> Jennifer. Oh my gosh. This is such good news. Okay. I need to, I need to know more. We need to know more when he's home. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love, I love it. I love it. I feel like that is going to be our good news for the episode friends, because that is everything that gives me so much hope too. I'm like thinking of my Macy Boo and we're going to so good. Yeah. You need to, I, I'm going to hold your hand through it, Heather. She, she can do this. It's so freaking hard, but it is so possible with the right support and love. It'll and happen. It will It'll happen. happen. I love it so much. Jennifer, thank you for your time today. Thanks for being here and sharing so transparently and beautifully. We really love it. Thank yeah. you. I love you guys. Thank you for having me. Yes. Love you. Okay. On that note of good news, we are wrapping up this episode. Thank you, Josh Avis, for editing the episode, Val Schleter for producing it, and Ashley Fracolosi for also producing it. Um, if you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Don't forget to subscribe. And then you can check out the luckyfewpodcast.com for show notes with all the things we talked about today. Be sure to follow on social media over at the Lucky Few Pod where you can go and leave your good news. If you have some good news you'd like to share with us about your loved one with Down syndrome. And hey, listener, we are here for you. We love you. We're cheering for you. And we can't wait to be together on another episode next week. Until then, bye. Bye.